0: Section 17 of the Book of the Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 11. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Book of the Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 11, by Anonymous, Translated by Richard Francis Burton. The Tenth Day of the appointed term which, if it be advanced, may not be deferred, and if it be deferred may not be advanced. When it was the tenth day, now this day was called Al-Midran, and it was the day of the coming in of the folk, gentle and simple, to the king, so they might give him joy and salute him to go forth, the council of the wazirs agreed that they should speak with a company of the city notables. So they said to them, when ye go in to-day to the king and salute him, do ye say to him, O king, to the Lord be the laud, thou art praiseworthy of policy and procedure, and just to all thy subjects, but respecting this youth whom thou hast favoured, and who nevertheless hath reverted to his base origin, and done this foul deed, what is thy purpose in his continuance? Indeed, thou hast imprisoned him in thy palace, and every day thou hearest his palaver, and thou knowest not what the folk say. And they answered, Hearing is obeying. Accordingly, when they entered with the folk, and had prostrated themselves before the king, and congratulated his majesty, he raised their several degrees. Now it was the custom of the folk to salute and go forth, but they took seat, and the king knew that they had a word they would fain address to him, So he turned to them, the wazirs being also present, and said, Ask your need. Therefore they repeated to him all that the ministers had taught them, and the wazirs also spoke with them. And Azad Bakht said to them, O folk, I would have it known to you that there is no doubt with me concerning this your speech proceeding from love and loyal counsel to me, and ye ken that, were I inclined to kill half these folk, I would do them die, and this would not be hard to me. So how shall I not slay this youth, and he in my power, and in the hending of my hand? Indeed, his crime is manifest, and he hath incurred death penalty, and I have deferred it only by reason of the greatness of the offense. For, and I do this with him, and my proof against him be strengthened, my heart is healed, and the heart of my whole folk, and if I slay him not to-day, his slaying shall not escape me to-morrow. Then he bade fetch the youth who, when present between his hands, prostrated to him and blessed him. Whereupon quoth the king, Woe to thee! How long shall the folk upbraid me on thine account, and blame me for delaying thy death? Even the people of my city reproach me because of thee, so that I am grown a prating-stock amongst them and indeed they come in to me, and reproach me for not putting thee to death. How long shall I delay this? Verily, this very day I mean to shed thy blood, and rid the folk of thy prattling. The youth replied, O King, and there have betided thee talk because of me, by Allah, and again by Allah the Great. Those who have brought on thee this talk from the folk are none but these wicked wazirs, who chatter with the crowd, and tell them foul tales and ill things of the king's house. But I hope in the Most High that he will cause their malice to recoil upon their own heads. As for the king's menace of slaying me, I am in the grip of his hand. So let not the king occupy his mind with my slaughter, because I am like the sparrow in the grasp of the fowler. If he will, he cutteth his throat, and if he will, he letteth him go." As for the delaying of my death, tis not from the king, but from him in whose hand is my life. For, by Allah, O king, and the Almighty willed my slaughter, thou couldst not postpone it. No, not for a single hour. And indeed, man availeth not to fend off evil from himself, even as it was with the son of King Suleiman Shah, whose anxiety and carefulness for the winning of his wish in the matter of the newborn child availed him not, for his last hour was deferred how many a time, and Allah saved him until he had accomplished his period and had fulfilled his life term. Cried the king, Fie upon thee, how great is thy craft and thy talk! Tell me, what was their tale? And the youth said, Hear, O king, THE STORY OF KING SULEIMAN SHAH AND HIS NIECE There was once a king named Suleiman Shah, who was goodly of policy and reed, and he had a brother who died and left a daughter, so Suleiman Shah reared her with the best of rearing, and the girl became a model of reason and perfection, nor was there in her time a more beautiful than she. Now the king had two sons, one of whom he had appointed in his mind to wed her, while the other purposed to take her. The elder son's name was Baluan, and that of the younger Malik Shah, and the girl was called Shah Khatun. Now one day King Suleiman Shah went in to his brother's daughter, and kissing her head, said to her, Thou art my daughter, and dearer to me than a child. FOR THE LOVE OF THY LATE FATHER, WHO HATH FOUND MERCY. WHEREFORE I PURPOSE ESPOUSING THEE TO ONE OF MY SONS, AND APPOINTING HIM MY HEIR apparent, SO HE MAY BE KING AFTER ME. LOOK, THEN, WHICH THOU WILT HAVE OF MY SONS, FOR THAT THOU HAST BEEN REARED WITH THEM, AND KNOWEST THEM. THE MAIDEN AROSE, AND KISSING HIS HAND, SAID TO HIM, O MY LORD, I AM THINE HANDMAID, AND THOU ART THE RULER OVER ME so whatever liketh thee, do that same, inasmuch as thy wish is higher and honourabler and holier than mine, and if thou wouldst have me serve thee as a handmaid for the rest of my life, twere fairer to me than any mate. The king commended her speech and conferred on her a robe of honour, and gave her magnificent gifts, after which, his choice having fallen upon his younger son, Malik Shah, he wedded her with him, and made him his heir apparent, and bade the folk swear fealty to him. When this reached his brother, Baluan, and he was where that his younger brother had by favour been preferred over him, his breast was straitened, and the affair was sore to him, and envy entered into him and hate. But he hid this in his heart, whilst fire raged therein, because of the damsel and the dominion." Meanwhile, Shah Khatun went in bridal splendor to the king's son, and conceived by him and bare a son, as he were the alluming moon. When Bahluan saw this betide his brother, envy and jealousy overcame him. So he went in one night to his father's palace, and coming into his brother's chamber, saw the nurse sleeping at the door, with the cradle before her, and therein his brother's child asleep. Bahluwan stood by him, and fell to looking upon his face, whose radiance was that of the moon, and Satan insinuated himself into his heart, so that he bethought himself, and said, Why be not this babe mine? Verily, I am worthier of him than my brother, yea, and of the damsel and the dominion. Then the idea got the mastery of him, and anger drave him, so that he took out a knife, and setting it to the child's gullet, cut his throat, and would have severed his windpipe. So he left him for dead, and entering his brother's chamber, saw him asleep, with the princess by his side, and thought to slay her, but said to himself, I will leave the girl wife for myself. Then he went up to his brother, and cutting his throat, parted head from body, after which he left him and went away but now the world was straitened upon him, and his life was a light matter to him, and he sought the lodging of his sire, Suleiman Shah, that he might slay him also, but could not get admission to him. So he went forth from the palace, and hid himself in the city till the morrow, when he repaired to one of his father's fortalices, and therein fortified himself. On this wise it was with him, but as regards the nurse, she presently awoke that she might give the child suck, and seeing the cradle running with blood, cried out, whereupon the sleepers started up, and the king was aroused, and making for the place, found the child with his throat cut, and the bed running over with blood, and his father, dead with a slit, weazened in his sleeping chamber. They examined the child, and found life in him, and his windpipe whole, and they sewed up the place of the wound, then the king sought his son Baluan, but found him not, and saw that he had fled. So he knew that it was he who had done this deed, and it was grievous to the king, and to the people of his realm, and to the lady Shah Khatun. Whereupon the king laid out his son Malik Shah, and buried him, and made him a mighty funeral, and they mourned with passing sore mourning, after which he applied himself to rearing the infant, As for Baluan, when he fled and fortified himself, his power waxed amain, and there remained for him but to make war upon his father, who had cast his fondness upon the child, and used to rear him on his knees, and supplicate Almighty Allah that he might live, so he might commit the command to him. When he came to five years of age, the king mounted him on horseback, and the people of the city rejoiced in him, and prayed for him length of life, that he might take vengeance for his father and heal his grandsire's heart. Meanwhile, Bathluon the rebel addressed himself to pay court to Caesar, king of the room, and crave aid of him in debelling his father, and he inclined unto him and gave him a numerous army. His sire the king, hearing of this, sent to Caesar, saying, O glorious king of might illustrious, Sucker not an evildoer! This is my son, and he hath done so-and-so, and cut his brother's throat, and that of his father's son in the cradle.' But he told not the king of the room, that the child had recovered and was alive. When Caesar heard the truth of the matter, it was grievous to him, as grievous could be, and he sent back to Suleiman Shah, saying, "And it be thy wish, O king,' I will cut off his head and send it to thee. But he made answer, saying, I care not for him. Soon and surely the reward of his deed and his crimes shall overtake him, if not to-day, then to-morrow. And from that date he continued to exchange letters and presents with Caesar. Now the king of the room heard tell of the widowed princess, and of the beauty and loveliness wherewith she was endowed, wherefore his heart clave to her, and he sent to seek her in wedlock of Suleiman Shah, who could not refuse him. So he arose, and going into Shah Khatun, said to her, O my daughter, the king of the room hath sent to me to seek thee in marriage. What sayest thou? She wept and replied, O king, how canst thou find it in thy heart to address me thus? As for me, Abideth there husband for me, after the son of my uncle? Rejoined the king, O my daughter, tis indeed as thou sayest. But here let us look at the issues of affairs. I must now take compt of death, for that I am a man shot in years, and fear not save for thee and for thy little son. And indeed I have written to the king of the room and others of the kings, and said, His uncle slew him, and said not that he hath recovered and is living, but concealed his affair. Now the king of the room hath sent to demand thee in marriage, and this is no thing to be refused, and fain would we have our back strengthened with him. And she was silent and spake not. So King Suleiman Shah made answer to Caesar with hearing and obeying. Then he arose and dispatched her to him, and Caesar went into her, and found her passing the description wherewith they had described her, wherefore he loved her every day more and more, and preferred her over all his women, and his affection for Suleiman Shah was increased. But Shah Khatun's heart still claved to her child, and would say not. As for Suleiman Shah's son, the rebel Bahluwan, When he saw that Shah Khatun had married the king of the room, this was grievous to him, and he despaired of her. Meanwhile his father Suleiman Shah watched over the child, and cherished him, and named him Malik Shah after the name of his sire. When he reached the age of ten, he made the folk do homage to him, and appointed him his heir apparent, and after some days the old king's time for paying the debt of nature drew near, and he died. Now a party of the troops had banded themselves together for Bahluwan, so they sent to him, and bringing him privily, went in to the little Malik Shah, and seized him, and seated his uncle Bahluwan on the throne of kingship. Then they proclaimed him king, and did homage to him all, saying, Verily, we desire thee and deliver to thee the throne of kingship, but we wish of thee that thou slay not thy brother's son, because we are still bounden by the oaths we swear to his sire and his grandsire, and the covenants we made with them. So Bahluwan granted this to them, and imprisoned the boy in an underground dungeon, and straitened him. Presently the grievous news reached his mother, and this was to her a fresh grief but she could not speak, and committed her affair to Allah Almighty, for that she durst not name this to King Caesar her spouse, lest she should make her uncle, King Suleiman Shah, a liar. But as regards Bahluwan the rebel, he abode king in his father's palace, and his affairs prospered, while the young Malik Shah lay in the Souterrain for full-told years, till his favor faded and his charms changed. When he, extolled and exalted be he, willed to relieve him and to bring him forth of the prison, Bahluwan sat one day with his chief officers and the lords of his land, and discoursed with them of the story of his sire, King Suleyman Shah, and what was in his heart. Now there were present certain wazirs, men of worth, and they said to him, O king, verily Allah hath been bountiful to thee, and hath brought thee to thy wish, so that thou art become king in thy father's palace, and hast won whatso thou wishest. But as for this youth, there is no guilt in him, because he, from the day of his coming into the world, hath seen neither ease nor pleasure, and indeed his favour is faded, and his charms changed. What is his crime that he should merit such pains and penalties?' Indeed, others than he were to blame, and here too Allah hath given thee the victory over them, and there is no fault in this poor lad. Quoth Bahluwan, Verily, tis as ye say, but I fear his machinations, and am not safe from his mischief. Haply the most part of the folk will incline unto him. They replied, O king, what is this boy, and what power hath he? And thou fear him, send him to one of the frontiers. And Bahluan said, Ye speak sooth. So we will send him as captain of war to reduce one of the outlying stations. Now over against the palace in question was a host of enemies, hard of heart, and in this he designed the slaughter of the youth. So he bade bring him forth of the underground dungeon, and caused him draw near to him, and saw his case. Then he robed him, whereat the folk rejoiced, and bound for him the banners, and, giving him a mighty many, dispatched him to the quarter aforesaid, whither all who went, or were slain, or were taken. Accordingly Malik Shah fared thither with his force, and when it was one of the days, behold, the enemy attacked them in the night, whereupon some of his men fled, and the rest the enemy captured. And they seized Malik Shah also and cast him into a pit with a company of his men. His fellows mourned over his beauty and loveliness, and there he abode a whole twelvemonth in evilest plight. Now, at the beginning of every year, it was the enemy's wont to bring forth their prisoners and cast them down from the top of the citadel to the bottom. So, at the customed time, they brought them forth and cast them down and Malakshah with them. However, he fell upon the other men, and the ground touched him not, for his term was God-guarded. But those who were cast down there were slain upon the spot, and their bodies ceased not to lie there till the wild beasts ate them, and the winds scattered their bones. Malik Shah abode strong in his place and a swoon, all that day and that night, And when he revived, and found himself safe and sound, he thanked Allah the Most High for his safety, and rising, left the place. He gave not over walking, unknowing whither he went, and dieting upon the leaves of the trees; and by day he hid himself where he might, and fared on at hazard all his night. And thus he did for some days, till he came to a populous part, and seeing folk there, accosted them. He acquainted them with his case, giving them to know that he had been prisoned in the fortress, and that they had thrown him down, but Almighty Allah had saved him and brought him off alive. The people had ruth on him, and gave him to eat and drink, and he abode with them several days. Then he questioned them of the way that led to the kingdom of his uncle Bahluwan, but told them not that he was his father's brother." So they showed him the road, and he ceased not to go barefoot, till he drew near his uncle's capital, naked and hungered, and indeed his limbs were lean and his colour changed. He sat down at the city gate, when, behold, up came a company of King Bahluan's chief officers, who were out a-hunting, and wished to water their horses. They lighted down to rest, and the youth accosted them, saying, I would ask you of somewhat that ye may acquaint me therewith. Quoth they, ask what thou wilt, and, quoth he, is King Bahluwan well? They derided him, and replied, What a fool art thou, O youth! Thou art a stranger and a beggar, and whence art thou that thou shouldst question concerning the king? Cried he, in very sooth he is my uncle. Whereat they marvelled and said, "'Twas one catch-question, and now tis become two. Then said they to him, "'O youth, it is as if thou wert gin-mad. Whence comest thou to claim kinship with the king? Indeed we know not that he hath any kith and kin, save a nephew, a brother's son, who was prisoned with him, and he dispatched him to wage war upon the infidels, so that they slew him.' Said Malik shah I am he, and they slew me not, but there befell me this and that. They knew him forthwith, and rising to him, kissed his hands, and rejoiced in him, and said to him, O our Lord, thou art indeed a king, and the son of a king, and we desire thee not but good, and we pray for thy continuance. Look how Allah hath rescued thee from this wicked uncle, who sent thee to a place whence none ever came off, safe and sound, purposing not in this, but thy destruction. And indeed thou fellest upon death, from which Allah delivered thee. How then wilt thou return and cast thyself again into thy foeman's hand? By Allah save thyself, and return not to him this second time. Haply thou shalt abide upon the face of the earth, till it please Almighty Allah to receive thee but, and thou fall again into his hand, he will not suffer thee to live a single hour. The prince thanked them, and said to them, Allah reward you with all weal, for indeed ye give me loyal counsel, but whither would ye have me wend? Quoth they, to the land of the room, the abiding place of thy mother. But, quoth he, my grandfather Suleiman Shah, when the king of the room wrote to him, demanding my mother in marriage, hid my affair, and secreted my secret, and she hath done the same, and I cannot make her a liar. Rejoined they, thou sayest sooth, but we desire thine advantage, and even wert thou to take service with the folk, twere a means of thy continuance. Then each and every one of them brought out to him money, and gave him a modicum, and clad him, and fed him, and fared on with him the length of a parasang until they brought him far from the city, and letting him know that he was safe, departed from him, whilst he journeyed till he came forth of his uncle's reign, and entered the dominion of the room. Then he made a village, and taking up his abode therein, applied himself to serving one there in caring and seeding and the like. End of section 17